0: We're back! After a longer than expected break for summer, Good Digital is back, and I have a treat for you. During the break, I spent a day chatting with Just Giving about the insights they have learnt about running a mission-driven business, tips on how to improve your fundraising projects, their new tools for raising money, and much more. We've covered quite a lot of ground in our chats, so I've spread them into three separate episodes. Today, I'm chatting to Jamie Parkins, who shares how Just Giving got started, why storytelling is so important to good fundraising, the importance of knowing your very important fundraisers, otherwise known as your VIFs, alongside some great tips for charities, big and small, to take on board when thinking about how they can best use digital to raise money. Jamie, introduce yourself to the Good Digital podcast audience.
1: Uh, So firstly, welcome to JustGiving. Um, My name's Jamie Parkins. I'm a senior product manager at JustGiving. So my role uh, for the last six years in the time I've been here is to uh, lead the team that build and design and develop uh, the products that our users use. Um, And JustGiving, we have a variety of users, obviously. We're famous for being a fundraising platform that enables people to fundraise for charities. Um, But we have to support those very charities on our platform. So we have a, a whole suite of products designed to help charities on board or to help charities maximize our platform so my role is to product manage and develop and design those
0: i know there's people listening to us hello listeners that maybe don't exactly know um the just giving story
1: okay.
0: or maybe a little bit unfamiliar with about peer-to-peer fundraising so could you explain a bit more about the history of yeah, just giving and what peer-to-peer fundraising actually sure. means
1: So, uh, for an internet business, we're pretty old, um, established in uh, 2001. But our founders, Anne-Marie and Zareen, uh, wanted to initially bring charitable content online. um, And uh, in the modern-day parlance, they kind of pivoted that idea when they discovered that there was an appetite for people running the London Marathon who wanted to bring traditional fundraising methods online. So, um, I'm sure a lot of our listeners will remember the days of paper sponsorship forms and effectively just giving version one was bringing that paper sponsorship form online uh, which meant that peer-to-peer fundraising could could be established someone could fundraise for a charity of choice and ask their network their their friends to support them and sponsor them through our platform Um, and to some extent that's been just giving's model ever since then and we've 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 iterated upon that idea and, and you know, tried to make it as uh, successful and increasingly social as possible. Um, at the same time, we have gone into other areas, so um, we enable people to give directly to a charity so that there's no third party in, in between, there's no fundraiser. Um, so any person can choose to give money directly to a charity through our platform, and many and many do. Um, we also have company fundraising as a concept, so we know that companies... Uh, try and encourage their staff through their CSR programs to fundraise collectively. So we have a a suite of products that sort of enable that. Um, More recently, in the last couple of years, uh, we've launched a crowdfunding um, service, which to some extent takes the charity out of the equation. So this is peer-to-peer crowdfunding. So what we're seeing increasingly is, particularly at a, a local level, are individuals who want to make a difference and are inspired to make a difference, perhaps in their local area, and the way to do that through crowdfunding is to set up a crowdfunding page and, and bring their network to support that page. Um, so that's a that's a totally new revenue stream for Just Giving.
0: Just Giving is seems to be a platform that continu- is growing, has grown from its start, and continues to grow. Mm-hmm. But in the UK in particular, there's a really negative media um, conversation about charities how do you find that's affected people has that affected um how people give on just giving
1: so i think i don't think that the negativity is necessarily new i think it's just being amplified at the, at the moment for for a number of sort of political uh reasons um and i think the charities recently have kind of been feel like they've they've been taken through the mill um uh, particularly uh, via the press so i can understand why that negativity uh exists uh, I think just giving as a platform our, our approach has always been to to be quite neutral in the sense that we're there as a, to provide a service and some charities will point their users to towards us to fundraise and to give and some charities will use us for certain things and, and not for other things um, I think from my perspective, the, the negativity about charities, I think the, the word that often gets used is transparency. So charities aren't being transparent about how funds raised are being spent. Charities aren't being transparent about the impact that those funds are um, having out in the field. Um, I think that's a little bit unfair. So you know, we were discussing earlier the fact that that information is out there. If you want to go looking, charities, you know, will commission annual reports. Um, the National, uh, sorry, the um, Charity Commission will, uh, if you look for it, will uh, return you data about charities and their, their, um, their expenditure. Um, so, so I think that information out there. It's just that, that those are sources that people won't traditionally go to. Um, and it's much easier to create a, a rather negative soundbite about how a charity spends money. Um, I think what um, what JustGiving is trying to do is enable charities to 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 have a platform through which people can give to them uh, in a trustworthy way. So, you know, we our platform is heavily, you know, is very strong on PCI compliance and um, that trust factor of um, how we handle people's data. And I think there is a there is a there is a point where some people are becoming nervous about their preferences and how they're treated by by charities. And so we have seen people using us as their proxy for being able to give to a charity because they trust our platform to handle their data responsibly which we do um but i think what we're trying to do as a platform is help charities tell their story a little bit better so that even if you're giving to a charity through just giving you can still understand where your money is going to go the impact that it's going to have i think in the past we haven't done an altogether great job of helping charities tell their story i think that really is our focus going forward is is kind of the art of storytelling um there, is, there are so many different ways now in which people can share information and share how impact happens, whether it's visually, whether it's through video, audio, through memes, through emojis nowadays. There are so many different ways. And I think we just we are really passionate that when people use our platform, we enable that storytelling to happen.
0: Which brings me on nicely to my next question. You touched on social media. How do you think social the rise of social media has changed and and mobile as well Mm -hmm. has changed how people give
1: Um, so certainly Jono can pick up on some of the social media stuff but I'll I'll talk to mobile so I'll give her a break Um, I think mobile is certainly a huge huge opportunity Um, to give you an idea approximately probably 60-70% of traffic to just giving is mobile so everything that we do now Uh, from a fundraising perspective is mobile first Um, we're thinking what will the experience be uh, for the user in a mobile um, situation so uh, that's everything from making sure that the donation process is responsive uh, to ensuring that we are picking the right social tools for the mobile experience versus the desktop experience so as an example um, when someone donates on their mobile phone we We compel that person to share their donation because we think that brings extra value to um, the transaction, right? People can then tell the rest of the world about the the thing that they've just done. Um, Traditionally, that's been uh, share out to Facebook, share out to Twitter. We've now added share out to WhatsApp because we've monitored the increased use of WhatsApp. As product managers and as technical people here, we use these tools ourselves so we get a feel for what people in social spaces are using to communicate. Um, And we'll pick you know we, we will pick the right ones at the right time to s- effectively switch on and um i think we've uh, we recently documented that we'd raised over a million uh, pounds for for a, a spread of charities through just people sharing to whatsapp so already there's a community of people using whatsapp as their form of communication so therefore we want to be we want to enable people to share into the into that space
0: and was that when you found that out was that a surprise for everyone here or was it something that you thought was it like, oh, yeah, we, we know people are doing that?
1: Um, so I think we, uh, we knew that people were doing that and um, we can either, you know, we'll use other sources as, as, a, as a benchmark um, or we will test ideas before we ever launch them and, and, and at least build these products with a, a sense of confidence that there is um, appetite for it. Um, were we surprised when we hit the million? Maybe not in the sense that it, we felt inevitably One day we would get to that uh, because of the volumes that um, we're fortunately uh, we process on a daily basis. But at the same time, it is pretty amazing as a product manager when you launch a product and it hits a, a milestone like that, and it validates instantly the work that you've done. Um, and also, it, in a way, it tells the rest of the sector. Like, uh, and I think I see this as just giving role in some respect is let us build the things, let us experiment in the spaces, and w- and we will validate whether they work or not. And then by all means, if a charity wants to you know, hook into WhatsApp and start to use that, then that's great because they they don't have to necessarily um, take some of the risk or the cost associated with research because in a way we've done that for them. And I think certainly that we would like that to be our approach in the sense that charities look to us to um, be on the forefront of technological change, for want of a better expression, um, and do all that do that grunt work, do the do the mm. hard yards for them um, and validate or, in some cases, prove that, you know, there isn't an appetite for it. You know, in that sense, kind of, you know, it's okay to fail.
0: That sort of links into, I think there's a lot of challenges that a lot of charities face at the moment, particularly smaller ones in terms of how to invest in digital and, you know, what, how to make that choice be- between going down product, you know, um, different, sorry how to g- make that choice between going through you know uh, situation a or situation b when you've got limited resources yeah. what do you think some of the the challenges that charities are facing um that they need to tackle at the moment or think about so they can move forward with mm-hmm. not only fundraising but to more effectively tell their stories
1: yeah um i think it's a couple so i think one is definitely um being mobile ready um uh, in, in some sense that ship has sailed we are we are mobile now um, and if your website is not ready for that you're already behind um, and your users will be if not already they will be in the future reliant on mobile so if you are not as a charity if your website or your the way that you ask people for money online is not ready for mobile um, then in all honesty I think you need to double down on that um, and, and focus on that or and I would say this you know, use a platform that is ready for mobile. So, you know, for for many sort of kitchen-top charities that that um, that spring up, you know, um, out of you know very close personal um, events, you know, for them, the idea of constructing and building a a, web, a website is um, it's, it's probably quite scary, quite a challenge. And so, quite often, we see with a lot of the smaller new charities that they will actually. Um, default to just giving, or default to a, a fundraising platform of choice as their kind of homepage, which is fine, right? That, that's in a way that's what we're here for—to to enable those people to um, generate funds. Um, but if I go back to you know the larger organisations, the larger charities have to focus on what their mobile proposition is, otherwise um, people will go elsewhere. And there's plenty of choice out there. You know, mm. Charities, to some extent, it is, it is like. Um, it is like a supermarket. There are other brands. There are other people vying for that donor's attention. Um, I think the other, the other challenge that, um, and I use my personal experience here of having fundraised for a number of different charities and, and enjoyed that experience in different ways, um, is this thing about storytelling. Um, so, when a when a supporter becomes maybe a, an online fundraiser, um, and not necessarily through Just Giving, but it could be through any website, I think it's really important that the charity does three things to that supporter. And, I, and I'm, I'm talking probably more from my personal experience here, but in a way, I think we're trying to build the tools on Just Giving that enable charities to do this. But I think it's three things. It's one, it's acknowledge them. So, you know, when someone makes a commitment to that charity, however it is that you do it, acknowledge, acknowledge them. Like, let them know that you know what they're doing um, and just from the get go I think that inspires a sense of confidence it inspires uh, a bond and a connection between the, the fundraiser and, and the cause that they're fundraising for um, secondly empower that person and I think this is where charities can really make a significant difference is by by empowering their fundraisers and their supporters to become advocates for that cause so whether it's providing them with assets and materials, education, um, introductions to other fundraisers, you know, connecting dots, make that fundraiser or enable that fundraiser to be as successful as possible by giving them access to information or telling them how the funds are going to be spent or highlighting um, particular areas of need that that charity wants to focus on that that fundraiser could pot- potentially tap into. Um, I think um, too often you see people saying I'm fundraising I'm going to do a five mile run please sponsor me and that's kind of the end of the story and I know I've seen the the most successful and engaging fundraising pages on our website is where there's there's a story and there is a hook and there is a reason why people uh, vest interest in that page and invest interest in that person and that means that that fundraiser then has a much greater chance of, of going beyond their just immediate network of family, friends and colleagues you know, it's not, not every page is going to go viral, but give yourself and your fundraisers the best chance of those pages going viral by you know, almost overloading them with information and, and let them, you know, help them pick the right bits of information at the right time to deliver. A really good example of that is if you look at the London Marathon, every year thousands of people sign up for this amazing event. Um, and they create their fundraising pages and they start training sort of around october November you know some six seven months before they 're even at the start line and those pages will often raise in excess of two three four thousand pounds because as a supporter you end up you end up on a, a journey with that runner you see them go through their training you hear about them you know getting their first pair of trainers you hear about them hitting their first five mile then their ten mile they tell you what they 're eating for breakfast because they 're going out on a morning run and and that brings you along on a journey, which ultimately, I think, means that you become more connected, you're more likely to give, you're more likely to give more often, potentially, you're more likely to tell your network about this amazing thing that my friend is doing. And it's because you're, you're taken along on a story. So that's a long-winded way of saying, Sort of, I think, charities can really help empower their, um, their supporters. And then I think the third thing, which I know charities do this, um, but... I think the experience is quite diverse, and it's thanking. You know, as a as a fundraiser, having crossed that finishing line, having done that app sale, having hit m- their target, how does the charity thank them? Is it timely? Is it effective thanking? Do they thank them in a way that then tells the that enables the um, the fundraiser to pass that message down the line to their supporter base, so that again they could become an advocate for that cause, and they can inspire potentially their donors to then go, do you know what? I'm really inspired by how that charity spent those funds and how they thanked my friend. I'm going to pick them next time that I choose to fundraise. Um, and I think um, if I look at us at just giving, um, we we haven't really cracked thanking. Um, we've got a few automated processes that that effectively send out emails, but uh, I don't think we've made it as personal as we could do.
0: But I think that's I think that's a really good point, and all those points are really valid. And I can I can hear the pens writing from my listeners writing stuff down and thinking about how they're going to implement all those things you talked about um i personally think thanking is the thing that people forget to do every single time because we're so busy going on to the next thing that we're Mm. working on we forget to
1: which is really interesting i was at my daughter's school this morning and in the reception area there was a little certificate from um which charity was it i think it was mencap you know having raised they'd raised a hundred pounds let's say for running around the school field five times, something like that. Now, that, that certificate I know would have been presented to the kids in assembly, and you know, there's a story behind that, and that will create some form of emotional bond for, for some of them, and they'll take pride from that. And it's really interesting that charities will, particularly for things like schools and, and large corporate fundraising, will do that. But sometimes I think my experience at a, at a very individual level is that the quality of thanking that I've had, and I do tend to do two or three fundraising things a year, really it's really marked difference and um yes I'm probably overly biased because of the industry I work in but I I feel it when I'm not being thanked I, I notice that and and it, I, and it does leave an impression
0: yeah and I think it's a really good point and it would be good to see as we do the podcasts of so like if we get any velocence to come back and see if they've taken any for tips on board and mm. see if they've made a difference and we'll report on that and maybe yeah, a bit um, later in the season
1: what did we see um, like the rise of vine i know that you know uh, vine maybe's had it day who has, has had its day we're not sure but um, people charities were starting to use vine you know little 5 second video clips were just very personal and it doesn't need to be overly flash if anything the more personal the more sort of dogged and 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 kind of handcrafted that thank you is perhaps the more genuine it really feels, um, and I think therefore maybe the more impactful it can be.
0: What um, where do you think the opportunities are? And for me, like from putting words into your mouth, but I think looking at how Facebook Live has been used in the last even just few weeks by um, media to report on all the breaking stories happening with the referendum mm-hmm. has been incredibly interesting. Real time, like, isn't it? having to post literally are doing all their reporting fire um, um facebook live at the moment um, that's just one example but what do you think the opportunities are there for for charities that they could grasp then to really boost what they're doing and boost their results yep
1: so it's, it's funny you should talk about facebook live because in fact one of our one of our staff here Charlie did a 100k run in a day for um, for a cause that's very very um, personal to him and it was the first time i 'd seen someone track the day um, through um, a number of Facebook live updates, and they were really emotional because he was there running, holding the phone at the time and you could see the blood sweat and tears you could uh, and he gave regular updates on how he was going and it meant that during my day whilst i 'm doing my other things and this guy 's running one hundred k I had a number of personal touch points with him, and I could you know some I could choose to listen to some I could ignore or i 'm too busy but Ultimately, at the end of the day, I knew that he'd just gone through oh, heaven and hell, run 100k, and I, you know, ultimately I gave to him, and, and kind of that's why he's doing it. Um, what are the other opportunities? Um, again, I'll, I'll go back to mobile. I think there's a fascination with kind of we've got to have an app, and I'm not sure that um, necessarily that's an opportunity that every charity has to pursue. I think uh, if I was If I was kind of um, placing my bets, I would focus more on uh, making sure that your website is is built for mobile and is responsive. Um.
0: And there's there's a really good test that people can do, which is on Google. Mm -hmm. There's, um, I'll put the link in the show notes. Where if you're not sure whether your website is mobile, Google will tell you. And it's really horrific when you're working on a website and it gets a score of zero. The reason that's really important is because it will affect your search engine results. So right. I think it's really key for mm-hmm. people to get that done.
1: I think um, the thing that I would advocate for any, particularly the sort of small to medium charities, is look at the solutions that are already out there um, when you're thinking about what it, the processes that you're trying to improve or the processes that you're trying to um, introduce into your um, into your organisation. So you know, software as a service or SaaS. Um, Is a name that gets banded around a lot. But essentially it means integrating or connecting to um, pre-established forms of software that you can use. So if you're a charity and you want to um, use an email tool, well, there's MailChimp. Probably one of the best-in-class email services that offers scale, is affordable, and will do 99% of the things that you want to do through email. If it's video, then you know there obviously there are um, there's uh, Periscope, there's Facebook Live, there are video hosting through YouTube, there are uh, even charitable programs and initiatives that the likes of um, uh, Google Foundation and YouTube um, offer. Um, I think I'd much as a as someone who fundraises for charity, I'd much rather see my charity making use of all of these available softwares and than spending potentially inordinate expense on into on building these services in in in-house which you know 10-15 years ago was the way that people did these things Mm. um so um make use of what's available out there and i think the thing i'd also always encourage charities is is a little bit of like competitive review like look at what other charities in your space are doing or uh, other charities in your local area are doing what is it um that they avail of and make use of that you could be doing um, and, and all of these tools—they're relatively risk-free, right? You can subscribe to them, you can unsubscribe at the drop of a hat. Um, there isn't um, uh, a kind of long integration time, um, and you can test them in isolation if you want to. You know, take a—you know, like we do at Just Giving. Sometimes we'll take a subset of our users and try something with them and see. Well, did that work? Did it not work? Do we want to scale that out?
0: Yeah, I think that's really important. And I think also you—you you don't have to just for a lot of charities maybe just do that when they have an idea they want to test but it's not that difficult to set up an advisory board of have a, a regular survey yeah. group of your, that cover your core users to say, you know, what are we doing? What Get suggestions from them. And sure.
1: So we have, a, we have a name for that here. We call them VIFs, very important fundraisers and, you know, they, they are people that we have identified who either use our platform multiple times or have used our platform perhaps one or two times Hugely effectively, and and perhaps with a sense of passion that means that they're going to give us really good quality feedback. Um, I met a charity recently and asked them, you know, effectively, do you know the equivalent of your VIs? Like, you know, who are your top ten fundraisers right now? And they didn't know that. Now, that answer's out there. It's in a spreadsheet. Um, it'll be in your giving reports. Um, it'll it'll be on someone's desk somewhere. But you you should know who those people are, and you should you should be able to go to those people um, and. Ask for feedback, and you know, like bring them into panels, so that you know, not only are they a fundraiser once, but they're actually a resource that you can learn from, and maybe again, inspire that person then to become a long-term advocate for you.
0: Uh, what do you think is going to be this year's killer app? And part two, uh, what do you think is going to be the most overhyped thing this year?
1: Okay, um, so i tell you the types of apps I don't like, if I can start there. I and
0: mean, when I say killer app, I don't mean apps on phones. Yeah. I just mean app killer functions. application.
1: Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I've spent a lot of time in the last two years at uh, hacks and hackathons. So these types of 24-hour, 48-hour events where developers come together and build sort of technology for good. Um, and the thing that's always got me is this fascination with trying to generate donations through kind of bad behavior and through penalizing people um so classic example if you, if you search through um, itunes is the alarm clocks that find you a charitable donation when you you know hit the snooze button they're cute ideas in themselves but i think it fundamentally it's the wrong way to to go about generating an ask you know people should people should want to give to you because they're compelled to give to you because because of a story or a connection or a positive reason that creates that bond penalizing people and making them give i think is you might generate some short-term donation value but you won't generate that long that longevity of value um, so i guess my message there is you know i would always shy away from those types of cool fun one-off initiatives. If you if you're ever investing kind of large money in in app development per se, um, what else? This whole thing about people giving on the go um, is interesting. I think I personally think there's a little bit of an over obsession with
0: and that's, that's with cashless, like, yeah, and contacts like contactless. Yeah, giving. so
1: I think in London we see a lot of it because of you know the Oyster system. Um, I'd be interested to know kind of if that's proliferating around the rest of the country because for many charities you know it's not just their, their supporter base is not just in the southeast um i think i've seen lots of initiatives where people try this so um, cancer research i think did something with a kind of contactless window so you could literally kind of donate by holding your card up against the charity shop window um there's been a, I think it was Save the children recently have have Tested a, um, a similar contactless box at museums and train stations, and the results, whilst encouraging in the sense that oh yes, they were used and, and people gave. Nearly in every test I've seen, um, people who gave cash gave more, and, and you know that they, they didn't necessarily fundamentally arrest the change between cashless versus cash. Um, I think the best position player to maybe make this change is probably apple pay i think um if you assume that nearly every potential donor has a mobile phone or a smartphone big assumption but we're not probably a million miles away from that if you assume that that's your that's your potential audience um Having inbuilt software is the key. You know, it's so expensive to get people to download your app. You know, the, the amount of money and effort you have to spend on marketing to get someone to download your particular app is hard work. Apple Pay cuts straight through that and will be effectively is a you know form of quick and easy payment. And I think that's that's interesting. I think we as just giving would certainly like to explore that. I think there's probably an expectation that as a donation platform that already takes PayPal and Visa and, and uh, uh, Mastercard, Apple Pay should be the sort of thing that we're um, enabling our donors to give, so that it, it is quick and easy. And then once you kind of instigate that sort of thing, you can then you can then start to experiment. I think in some of the funkier, interesting areas about, you know, when someone enters a shop, how do you get them to then donate to the, you know, the the, mm. um, the charity that's maybe associated with that particular brand? Um, I think some people have cut straight to that rather than Trying to work out how do you make the, the payment piece as frictionless as possible. And I think once that bit's solved, the fun and interesting, quirky ways of giving will will naturally spill out of that. So I'm not sure that's directly answered your question. I'm I'm going to pick up my phone very quickly <laughs> and see what other apps I've got that are. Um, uh, I can tell you what apps have um, changed my life. I mean, I'll give you a good example. So something like Strava i've not heard of that so strava um it's for cyclists and runners who want to track their fitness activity Mm -hmm. um and it kind of logs your data yeah there's a
0: reason why i haven't heard
1: of that now the reason i love that is it's um it's changed the way that i behave it encourages me to cycle more often it's basically gamified my uh sort of fitness um time when i look at that i also look at the opportunity there and go is there a way in which fundraising could be part of that um and I think that might be just me being a, a product manager trying to crowbar, you know, giving into every single app. And I think you've got to you've got to cherry pick the right ones. But um, you know, Speedo is another example. It's another app that tracks your swimming. I know that they partnered with um, I think it's Aspire, the spinal injury um, charitable uh, unit, um, because their big fundraiser every year is about swimming. So instead, again, instead of trying to build a app for themselves they say okay who's the best in class speedo associated with swimming let's work with them mm. and i think that's how that's how charities should be thinking particularly maybe about around app development
0: so jamie what if any of our listeners are not currently um using just giving how can they go about um partnering with you guys yep
1: so um our website uh is there for registered charities uh ptas churches uh sort of casks so community sports clubs Um, effectively you need a either charity a registered charity commission number or um, a gift aid um, number Um, and we allow those charities to join there there's a process for joining so you can go to our website i think scrolls to the bottom there'll be a link for signing up we'll ask you for some pretty simple information to get you started once you're added onto the website um, we could become a gift aid agent on your behalf, which means that we can claim gift aid and and I think one of the value that just given really brings is our gift aid reclaim uh, rate is really high, so we, we eliminate all that that boring paperwork and and uh, chasing that charities sometimes have or historically have had to do um, and it, you know ultimately that means twenty five percent more value um, into the into the, um, the banking out of the charity so uh, certainly a, one really good reason to use us. Once charities are onboarded, uh, we have an onboarding program, so you're not alone. We'll we'll help you understand what it is you can achieve through our platform. Fundamentally, the day that you're live, that means you can start to accept direct um, donations. So um, if you're a charity without necessarily a direct giving proposition, you could at the very least point your users to our platform and we will collect donations and process those donations and collect the gift aid on those and then pass those funds to you on a weekly basis, which means would bring pretty fast liquidity into into the um, into the sector and those funds could be spent quickly and effectively. Um, also, from day one, it means that people can fundraise for you. So if you have a particular fundraiser who actually is, and this has often been the case, who is saying to the charity, I'd like to use just giving, can you join? Then uh, from day one, fundraising is also made available. Um, and then over time, uh, we, uh, we obviously have um, help um, guides across the site, um, whether it's gift aid information, whether it's how to use our website, whether it's how to understand the um, reports and data that we make available to you. Um, all of that information is on the website. Uh, we have webinars uh, that we regularly run, um, which are free to attend, and we record them as well, so you can kind of dial into them at your own leisure and, and watch. And we tend to cherry-pick different products and features that we, um, that we have. Um, So uh, I would look into those, and and they're part of the onboarding program. Um, And lastly, we have um, support. So we have um, a telephone email support team who are there to help charities understand how best to maximize our platform or how, again, to interpret certain features or certain data. Um, And we, we welcome the chance to speak and work with you guys.
0: Great. Thank you so much, Jamie.
1: You're welcome. It's been really fun chatting. Thank you.
0: Thanks. The next episode of Good Digital will be the second in our special of Just Giving. I will be chatting with Jonathan Weddingham about Just Giving's new campaign and crowdfunding tools, and Jonathan will share some tips on how to deliver great fundraising experiences for your supporters, and quite a bit more. A big thank you to Jamie Parkins, Jonathan Weddingham, Andy Mickle, and the rest of the team at Just Giving for their time and comfy sofas. And thank you for listening! We'd love to hear from you, so please get in touch with us via Twitter at GoodDigitalInfo, Facebook at Facebook.com GoodDigital, or our website, GoodDigital.co. The Good Digital podcast is produced and presented by Karina Brisby. Our background music is by CDK with the track called Lies.